Hey, good morning, guys. Hey, if it's okay with you, I'm just going to jump right in, okay? Uh, and I'm going to start with the end of my message first. Um, so if you're, if, you're, if you're a sermon note follower in your sermon, if you could pull that out. And even if you're not a sermon note follower, just pull it out and pretend like you're following along, okay? Um, but the gospel story we're looking at this morning is about two miracle stories. Two desperate people come to Jesus and two miracle stories unfold. One miracle story, in fact, is wrapped in wrapped within another miracle story. And in the sermon notes, it's the last blank, number six, miracles happen. And I really believe in all my heart that miracles happen. Um, and not just back in Jesus' the day, they happen now. But I'm learning that miracles sometimes don't look like what we would expect. I've been seeing that anytime God breaks into our story, yours and my story, that can be a miracle too. And God can use knuckleheads like me and maybe you, to be the hands and feet of Jesus as well. Um, that's in the gospel, that knucklehead part. Um, but, but in this story, two people come to Jesus, two desperate folks in the midst of a crowd come to Jesus hoping for a miracle, hoping a touch from the great healer. And I want to plant the seed with you guys up front. There are folks in this room this morning that need to be touched by the healer. And my hope is that we will be courageous enough to come before him, to not be afraid, to trust him, to put our faith in him, to believe in him, and maybe we can witness a miracle or two this morning. On this Sunday morning, Pentecost Sunday, we remember the gift of the Holy Spirit, the power of God. The Greek word is dunamis, and if you guys would say that with me, it's one of my favorite words, dunamis. Say it with me, dunamis. Just sounds good to say. The miracle power of God given to us in and through the Holy Spirit on that first Pentecost. And my prayer is that we will witness some of that dunamis, the power of God this morning. Okay? I am a, um, anybody here list makers? I, I, in fact, I have a list on my, list on my, the front of my, my worship folder here this morning. I, I am a list maker, a to-do list maker from way back. Uh, and I've got no, in fact, in my office, I have notebooks full of my lists and I'll also use whiteboards or yellow stickies. Um, in my other life, I had an office that had three walls uh, of whiteboards, ceiling to floor. I loved those. I missed those whiteboards. Um, but my favorite thing about to-do lists, my favorite thing about lists is being able to check something off. Uh, maybe you guys can relate. But many days at church, um, I will come in with my list of things to do, and I'll never even make it to my office. I won't get a single thing crossed off my list. I'll stop in at the church office, check in with Margaret and Mona, ask them if I can help with anything. Then oftentimes my to-do list spirals out of control from there, and, and my to-do list never gets to be the to-done list. Um, and ju just by way of example, uh, not too long ago, I come to the office, there's a phone call from a woman in Phoenix. and She says, Joe, my mom's wandered off again. She's in Loveland this time. Um, she's okay. She's in, they, they, the police found her around midnight. They checked her in the hospital. She's okay. But could you go up there with my brother and bring mom back? Um, in my job description, that's under the other duties as required. I took my to-do list that day and threw it over my shoulder. I, I was sharing this with Pastor Drew, our worship arts pastor, about my struggle to get anything done and how often I get interrupted before I get started. And he told me my problem, you don't have a secret entrance. Drew has a secret entrance. And he, he's told me not to tell anybody by, by threat of death. Um, I, 
I, I don't have a secret message, or I don't have a secret entrance, but I'm working on a secret handshake. Maybe that'll help. <laughs> Just so you know, as a care pastor, some of the best part of my job is the other stuff, the stuff I didn't plan for, the interruptions. That's where so often we get to do, I get to witness good church. And I love to witness God working in and through that stuff. I get a front row seat. But interruptions happen, don't they? As I was thinking about the gospel story this morning, this, the story is from Mark's gospel, the fifth chapter. And if you have a Bible handy, that's where we're going to hang out this morning. Mark's gospel, the fifth chapter, starting about midway through the chapter with the 21st verse. And as I, as I started fussing with this text, I was wondering if Jesus was a list maker, what would his to-do list look like? And as a way of introducing the gospel story this morning, I want to share what I thought Jesus' to-do list would be based on this story. And I'll, I'll share two lists, Jesus' to-do list at the start of the day, and then his revised list at the end of the day, his to-done list. Again, Mark's gospel, fifth chapter, starting at the 21st verse, Jesus' to-do list at the start of the day, he's got one thing on his list. Cross over the lake to the other side. That's it. Cross over the lake to the other side. But Jesus revised list, his to-done list. Cross over the lake. Meet the folks at the dock. They'll be, waiting for, they'll be waiting for him. The royal wedding crowd will be there, hoping that Jesus will show up again. He's been there. This is Capernaum, they say. He's been there before. Folks are beginning to think that this Jesus... He's a big deal. They're not, they're not exactly sure what he is, but he's, he's the real deal. And Jesus bumps into Jairus, the synagogue ruler, finds out about his sick daughter, learns she's not expected to make it, accepts an invitation to Jairus' house, head that way, walk through the crowds, sign autographs, high-five and fist-bump as many folks as he can, smile for the selfies, do other Messiah stuff as required, heal the sick, bleeding woman. Then meet the sick, bleeding woman, and on the way to Jairus' house receive word that Jairus' daughter has died. Deny reports that she's dead. Encourage Jairus to not be afraid, to just believe. Heal Jairus' daughter, and by healing we mean raise her from the dead. Make sure she gets something to eat. Tell Jairus and his family not to share this with anyone. No press release, no Facebook posts, no instant messaging, no tweeting, no t-shirts. At the end of the day, at the end of Jesus' day, his list went from one thing, cross over the lake to the other side, to all of the stuff that happens in a life. If I've learned one thing maybe from this story, I have to cut down on the number of things I have on my to-do lists. Jesus gives room in his schedule for stuff, for God's stuff to happen. If our schedule is so packed, so packed tightly, sometimes it's hard for God's stuff to happen. But interruptions happen, don't they? They happen to Jesus, they happen to us. Can I interrupt my sermon just to give you an interruption story? Um, we do this great um, service around Christmas time, usually the first part of December. It's a, a candlelight service, service of remembrance. And it's a somber service. It's for folks who've lost loved ones, and they just come to, to try to help them through the holidays. And, and this, um, this past December, um, some of you guys were there. I, I'm welcoming folks to this service, and it's, it's a quiet time, and there's a person right here, Dave, right where you're sitting. Um, his, I, I told you I wasn't going to embarrass you, but, um, but, but right, right there, the guy was sitting, and his phone goes off, 
And in this perfectly quiet place, his phone goes off, and he's beginning to, beginning to fumble with it. I, if you could turn that off, Dave. <laughs> um, but but as, as his phone go, goes off, he's fumbling with it, trying to, to get it to turn off. And what's playing is, don't worry, be happy. Um, and, and I thought, okay, this is going to be one of those services. Um, but interruptions happen, don't they? Um, Last Sunday night, my wife and I were, uh, were asleep in bed. Cindy and I were asleep in bed. It's sometime after midnight when Cindy and I woke up to the sound of hail on our roof. And maybe some of you guys uh, heard that too. It started real slowly at first, and then it came down hard. Um, audience participation. What do, you, what do you think the first thought, my first worry was, as I'm hearing that hail just coming down hard? No, not my car. Not, not my roof. Things that you would think that I would worry about. Um, n- none of that. Not, not the car, not the roof, not the windows. My, my, my first thoughts were about this, this little peony plant I've been trying to grow for three... You know, you would think I would worry about the house or the car parked outside, but this little peony plant I've been trying to grow for three years. And every year, every year it starts to come up strong, and then it gets whacked by these hailstorms. Um, each year it starts out strong, then it ends up looking like a Charlie Brown Christmas tree of peony plants. Interruptions happen, storms happen, loss happens. Loss happens, and I'm not just talking about a peony plant. Um, This past Thursday night in our small group, at the end of the night, we always lift up prayer requests. This past Thursday night, we started out praying. We prayed for a couple that was traveling down to Taos by bus. Um, In fact, they were driving the bus for a group of seniors, prayed for traveling mercies for them. But then we got into the stuff that interrupts our lives. We prayed for a little baby that was struggling to live right out of the womb, two strikes. We prayed for an 18-year-old young man just diagnosed with stage 3 cancer, lymphoma. We prayed a prayer of thanks for a mom who's very sick, who got to spend one more Mother's Day with her family. We prayed for God to break into these stories. We prayed for a miracle. We prayed for divine intervention. We prayed for divine interruption, if you will. Life was going one way for these folks, and then stuff happened. Bad stuff happened. We were praying for God to intervene, praying for divine interruption to send the the whatever that happens in life in another direction. St. Paul once wrote in a letter, and I love it, whatever happens, comma, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Whatever happens, comma, because we know whatever happens. And I want to put an exclamation point after that, whatever happens. Interruptions happen, storms happen, loss happens, bad stuff happens. We used to have bumper stickers that said it, stuff happens. How do we deal with it? And do we conduct ourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, about the life that Christ gives us? Or do we get stuck? Do we let that stuff define us? Do we let the stuff that happens to us, do we let that define us? In the gospel this, this morning, I want to fuss with, there are three main char- characters. There's G- Jesus, then there's Jairus, a synagogue ruler, and we're told that he's got a daughter, a very sick daughter, 12 years old. In, Mar- in Luke's gospel, we're told that this is their only child, and Jairus' little girl is dying. And then there's this woman. She doesn't even have a name in the story. Jesus and Jairus, they have names and titles. Teacher or rabbi for Jesus, synagogue ruler for Jairus, The woman has no name. She's referred to often as the sick woman or the bleeding woman. 
We're not talking about a menstrual cycle here or a period. We're talking about a woman who is sick and has been hemorrhaging for 12 years. We guess more than half of her life. And not just bleeding, but suffering. The Greek word indicates that the woman was in pain, weak from the loss of blood. And in the culture of that day, the woman was considered unclean like the lepers of the day. Unclean, unclean, as folks would approach them. And in her culture, the illness was thought to be brought on by her sin or her parents' sin. On so many levels, she was an outcast. For 12 years, this has been going on. For 12 years, talk about an interruption to life. A chronic storm, if you will, hoping and praying that somebody could help her. Early on, early on, I'm thinking she was hopeful. Maybe today she would find the right medicine. Maybe today she would find the right doctor. But no, one day blends into the next, and 12 years later, she spent every nickel she has got. She's no better. In fact, she's gotten worse. Poor and broken and in pain at a loss, she comes to Jesus this day. First she hears about Jesus, and then she comes. And the text says, when she heard about Jesus, she came to him. And the story doesn't tell us how she heard about Jesus. It just says she did. And we can guess it was a friend or maybe a sister. Maybe maybe it was even one of the more honest doctors that said, I can't help you, but maybe this Jesus can. Whoever it was shared the good news with this woman about Jesus. They share what they know about Jesus. We're just five chapters into Jesus' story in in the Gospel of Mark, and here's what folks know. He's a teacher. He's a great teacher. He teaches with authority. He teaches with shmika, like he knows what he's talking about. He drives out demons. He heals people. He makes them whole. The paralyzed man walks. He loves people. He touches people, even the untouchable, the leper, the crazy man in the tombs. He forgives sins. He breaks the mold on what the church is supposed to look like, or at least what they thought the church was supposed to look like. He welcomes sinners like you and me, and he eats with them. And this woman, she hears these stories and goes to Jesus with great faith, with hope. This woman who's been bleeding for 12 years, she is desperate. And then she hears all about this Jesus. Maybe, just maybe, he'll heal me too. Then she goes to find Jesus, but the crowds are pressing in against him, and not just all the crowds, All the really cool people are there. The town leaders, the folks with money, the church leaders are there, and Jairus is there too. Elton John is there too. Um, Just a real quick sidebar. Usually my wife edits my stuff. She takes out all the stupid stuff and the cuss words. I put that in the Elton John thing after she had edited it. Um, Elton John was not there, just for the record. Um, But the bleeding woman just witnessed what unfolded with Jairus. Jairus, remember the synagogue ruler, the big shot with clout and money in his own entourage, falls at Jesus' feet, begging for Jesus to come heal his daughter. And Jesus responds to Jairus' request and starts to follow Jairus home. This bleeding woman, this third-rate citizen at best, unclean, unclean because of her illness, she doesn't have a shot in Hades, she thinks, at getting a minute with Jesus. But here he comes. Here's my plan, not a very good plan, a desperate desperate plan by a desperate woman who hopes and prays that just by touching Jesus' clothes, she'll be healed. She works her way through the crowd, through the eyes of disapproval, gets within an arm's length of Jesus and reaches for his clothes, his cloak, just a touch. Lord, please let this work, please. Just a touch of your cloak, please. I started reading a book um, this week called Love Lives Here. There's a line that sums up this woman's journey. 
and maybe our journey too, after we've suffered a loss or life's beaten the heck out of us, we're bleeding so badly we're afraid we're, afraid we're going to bleed out. Here's the quote. Each of us, after a loss, has to decide if we'll ante up and play another hand or just push away from the table and call it a day. Starting over again, especially after we've suffered loss after loss, is a step of faith. Starting over again is a step of faith. Do we risk it all again knowing that we might get hurt again? It's a gamble, isn't it? I believe when we step in faith towards Jesus, the angels applaud for us. Good friends do too. Reaching out to Jesus is a step of faith. If I just touch his clothes, some of us, just like this woman, we do not think we're worthy of coming to Jesus, at least face to face. Our past, our sins, our brokenness, our human condition stops us short. Remember Simon Peter in the boat? Once he realized who Jesus was, go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. I am not worthy. Sometimes we think everybody else has it together except us. We're going to just hang out in the back. We're going to hang out in the back of the crowd until it's safe or until we get desperate. And out of desperation, this woman reaches out to Jesus and is healed. Immediately, the text says. And I love this part of the story. Jesus knows that power has gone out of him. Dunamis, Holy Spirit power, Pentecost power, fuego, fire, dunamis has gone out of Jesus. And Jesus is asking this woman, Jesus asks us to, even if we would rather blend into the crowd, he wants to meet us face to face. Jesus stops in his tracks in the midst of the crowd and seeks this woman out. And then when the woman comes to him reluctantly, Jesus gives her a name, daughter, child of mine. Your faith has healed you. Go in peace, suffer no more. Daughter, child of mine. This woman goes from outcast to daughter of the king. This bleeding woman story, this miracle story, happens in the midst of the other story. This story interrupts the Jairus story. His daughter, again, his 12-year-old daughter, his only child is dying. One daughter saved, check off the box, one to go. And the story tells us that while Jesus was speaking to the bleeding woman, someone comes from Jairus' house and gives the horrible news that Jairus' daughter didn't make it. And for Jairus, the worst thing that could happen happens. For Jairus, the moment he hears those words, life and time on that street, that crowded street, stands still. All the air is sucked out of the streets. Jairus can't breathe. And then he gets angry with himself, angry at himself for not coming to Jesus sooner, angry at Jesus for taking his sweet time. And Jairus, he can't believe this is happening, doesn't want to believe the words. But as those words sink in, as despair sinks in, he wonders, how will we ever get through this? Then grief, like this big, dark, ominous crowd, begins to settle in and around Jairus. But in the midst of all of that, Jesus comes to Jairus, looks him square in the eyes and says, Jairus, do not be afraid. Do not lose heart. Just a little sidebar. Have you ever noticed that when um, in the gospel stories that the pucker factor goes from a 10 to a 20 when God or an angel says, do not be afraid. And, and I, th I think God does it on purpose. He knows that we're going to get jacked up from that. Um, but Jesus tells Jairus, do not be afraid. Just believe. Trust. 
Trust me, have faith in me. And Jesus and Jairus and the crowd, they get to the front door of the house. And Jesus stops everyone there. And he goes inside. He goes inside with just his closest disciples, Peter, James, and John, and mom and dad, Jairus, and his daughter's mom. Folks, coming to gather around a deathbed. And this is always sacred ground. It is always holy ground. It's not for the crowds, just closest family, friends, and Jesus. Take your shoes off because God is so close. The curtain between us and heaven gets so thin there. I've seen it. I've walked with some of you guys in and through that time. George Ames, Ruby Waddell, Beth and Joe Devlin, I walked with your, your dad and your husband, Mike. Lonnie Smith, Chet Chandler, just to name a few this past year. My stomach hurts just thinking about back to those moments, sacred moments, holy moments, but hard, hard moments. And Jesus steps into this story. Jesus tells the family, no funerals today. Not today. Jesus takes the little girl. He takes the little girl by the hand and sweetly whispers the words, every parent who's ever had a sick child, a dying child, hopes and prays that Jesus will do for their child, will share these words with their child. Little girl, get up. And the miracle happens, and folks are astonished. They go from grieving one moment to high-fiving Jesus the next. And Jesus, knowing all things, understands what a 12-year-old girl needs, what a preteen girl needs the most. She needs food. She's going to be starving. Hey, folks, can we get this girl some food, please? She normalizes this crazy situation. We know this side of heaven, the miracles don't always come. We pray for the miracles. We pray for divine intervention. We pray for divine interruption. But they don't always happen. The question I want to throw out to you folks this morning, how might there be healing when the miracles don't come? How might there be healing without the miracle? A few weeks ago, I came into the office with my to-do list and was handed a note. Someone had fallen, hit their head. They're in Littleton Hospital. I see you now. And because of bleeding on the brain, they're not expected to make it. Could I please come? And I step out of the elevator on the fifth floor of Littleton Hospital, room 555 in the ICU. As I step into this family's story. The whole family is there. And they've been told that their loved one is not going to make it. We still pray for the miracle. We gather around that bed. We laid hands on the loved one and we prayed, Lord, any way you could stop this from happening, please. Desperate prayers by desperate people, a loved one hurting, loved one dying, praying for a miracle, praying for a divine interruption here. This was a Thursday morning. By, by early Saturday morning, this person was gone. No miracle healing. And by Saturday afternoon, we start planning a funeral. But was there a divine interruption? God breaking into the story, might, might that be what death really is all about? Especially in light of the cross, in light of the words spoken from the empty tomb that first Easter morning, you're looking for Jesus? He's not here. He is risen. Somebody a long time ago taught me this, and I believe it's true in all my heart. When the worst thing that could happen happens, it's not the last thing that happens. When the worst thing that could happen happens, 
It's never the last thing that happens. During those times, I hold on with white knuckles. These words from Jesus, do not, do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not lose heart. In my Father's house, there are many rooms. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'm coming back for you. You guys know the way. And I love Thomas's response, Tom, doubting Thomas's response. Lord, we don't have a clue where you're going. We don't have a clue what you're talking about. When stuff happens, when interruptions happen, when storms happen, when loss happens, Jesus tells us the, the same thing he told Jairus. Do not be afraid and trust him. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And this morning, I might be God asking you and I right now, whatever we're facing, to not be afraid, to trust him. On Wednesday nights, the, this last two months, uh, we've been studying a book called Love Does uh, by Bob Goff. He is my new favorite author. Um, he talks about what we're, supposed to, what we're supposed to be like as a church, and not just think about church, but actually do church. Not just think about loving people, but loving people and practicing it. Um, loving each other like we're made of this stuff, like, we, like it dribbles off of us. And some of the homework that we've had, we've actually had to do stuff. And come back and report what kind of stories, what kind of God stories you had. Um, this morning's gospel, there's two folks, Jairus and this bleeding woman, who come desperately seeking touch from the healer. I don't know how much time we have, but um, I, I wonder this morning if we could come together as a community on Pentecost Sunday with the Holy Spirit in the midst. And could we come to Jesus and say, Here's a prayer that I have on my heart. I am desperate for a touch of this Jesus. And, and I throw it out to the crowd. And, you know, in the story, it's in the midst of the crowd that Jesus touches these folks. Any folks bold enough, courageous enough to say, I, I need a prayer like that. And we'll lay hands on you and pray for you right now. My brother Jack can you share just a little bit? I'll, you shared with me this morning. Um, Jack has prostate cancer. He was praying last week that it would stay contained in the prostate, and they found out that it spread. Um, he's going to enter into some radiation treat treatments um, soon. If we could just, um, just, around, just around Jack, um, just pray for him. Hey, Heavenly Father, Father, we, we lay hands on a holy man. And Lord, he has been through a whole bunch of stuff. He's had interruptions in his life several times. And this is yet another one. And Lord, I just pray for Jack. And Lord, I pray for your healing touch upon him right now. And Lord, we pray for the miracle. And I'm not exactly sure what that looks like, but I know you hear our prayers. You hear our prayers right now. And you're breaking into this story. Lord, I pray for Jack. I pray for us as a church, as we love around him, as we gather around him. We pray this in your son, Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen, amen, amen. Thank you, guys. Anybody else have just a prayer request that we can ask for the power of God to be with us? And we'll even pray for folks in the back because that woman came from the back of the crowd.
Um, anybody? We're going to wait here till noon. Uh, I've got interruptions. Okay, good, good, good. I love interruptions. Okay. You know, it's one of those, grew up in church, and we've done things, for me, at different churches a certain way. And when those things change, sometimes we're like, oh, how does that, how does that work? You know, there used to be the day when we would just get up and, like, go through a whole litany yes. of prayer requests. And then nowadays, it's kind of like, where do you stop? Where do you deal with privacy issues and things like that and the priorities, you know, of what needs to happen? And, and even this morning, we had a lady come by, and, and she's like, hey, can we, can we announce this as a prayer request? I'm like, ah, we just, we're not able to do that right now. I didn't know all of what was going on with your sermon. And my heart broke because it's, it's prayer. Come on, God's not busy. Right? Hey, let's lift up this prayer right now. Yeah. Um, I, I'm just reading this right now. 5.30 p.m. last night, sugar level was 170 and heart rate 116. Did okay through the night. I will keep you all updated when I hear something new. And Lord, we just pray for this person. I don't even know. Clarice. Okay, Clarice. Yes. Clarice is in 557 ICU Littleton Hospital. Lord, we pray for Clarice. We hold her up. And Lord, I pray that just right now there's some angels that are gathering around Clarice just to remind her how close you are, that your power is there, your dunamis is there, your Pentecost power is right there, your spirit is there. Lord, I pray for Clarice. I pray just that you wrap your arms around her and give her comfort, give her peace, help her not to be afraid. I pray this in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen, amen. Thank, thank you, Leanne. Anybody else? One more, one more prayer request. Thank you, Michael. That was... That was a God thing. That was, that was God breaking into the story. Any, any prayer requests from the cheap seats? We'll do those as special prayer requests. Um, yes, Janet. Jane. Mom. Mom is doing not so well. Because mom's not doing so well. <laughs> yes. Hey, could we, could we just lay hands on, on Jane? Um, Heavenly Father, we just, uh, we just pray for Jane, who knows about interruptions in her life too. Lost a husband not too long ago. And Lord, we just pray for her mom who's been ill and um, broke, broke her femur and just, just, just trying to recover from that. But also Jane, as she walks with her mom, she's the primary caregiver here in town. And Lord, we just pray for your grace and your peace be upon her. Lord, we pray for your healing touch, not only on Jane's mom, but for Jane too. Lord, we pray this in your sweet name, and all God's people said, amen, 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 amen. Hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap up now, but um, be thinking where God might be asking you to not be afraid and to trust him. And let that be your prayer, this, your Pentecost prayer today, okay? Let's bow our heads. Um, Heavenly Father, we just thank you for giving us the gift of the Holy Spirit, your spirit that breathes new life into us, fuego, fire, power, dunamis, your miraculous power that works in and through us. But I just pray that uh, just be with the prayers that were told out aloud, but also the prayers that were in the silence of our heart. Lord, you hear them. Even when we don't say them, you hear them. Lord, I pray for your healing touch for all of us. I pray this 
In your son's name, Jesus, and all God's people said, amen, amen.